Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Welcome to Marvel Vision, a podcast about Marvel, the MCU, and right now, a big old news update. I'm Alex. I'm Justin, and it's news time. (laughs) (laughs) News. Yeah. Uh, We have a lot of stuff to talk about this episode, and some big, big topics going down in the world of Marvel, some big businessy topics as well. I I didn't really think we'd be getting into legal issues here on this podcast, but we're definitely going to be talking about it. (laughs) <laughs> Once you start pulling on a thread, you never know where you're going to end up. <laughs> That's why we are journalists. Uh, and to that note, if you've got any tips or stories you want us to cover, email us at comicbookclublive at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you as well as the stuff that we're pulling out. But let's kick it off with Secret Invasion. We've gotten a lot of details about this show over the past week, particularly at a time like we've been talking about when we don't know what's going on with Marvel TV at all. Well, and it's just when we first started doing these news updates, it was like, are we going to have enough to talk about? There's not much happening. And it's like, yeah, we do. (laughs) So there's a big profile in Vanity Fair about Secret Invasion. And I mean, I guess you can consider them spoilers, but they're more details that they're releasing publicly, I guess. So a couple of things that (laughs) I pulled out of this. First of all, Kingsley Benadir is playing Gravik, who is a resistance leader. He has gotten frustrated with Talos, who hasn't been doing anything over the intervening decades to help the Skrulls establish not necessarily a new home world like taking over the world, but a new place to live publicly as themselves. So he is lashing back at that. He is being helped by Amelia Clark, who is Gaia, who is Talos's daughter, who we saw very briefly, I believe, towards the end of Captain Marvel, all grown up now. She has joined the Resistance working for graphics, so you got that emotional connection there. And a couple of other little details. Uh, The reason that Nick Fury isn't wearing a eye patch is because he wants to be able, Sam Jackson wants to be able to show weakness you see, you know, his eye there. He's not protecting himself. His armor is off. Nothing stronger than an eye patch. When yes. I see, like, that's why pirates are so revered. Yeah, I've always, I'm always wanted to poke somebody in both eyes. And when I can only poke them in one eye, I'm like, not even worth it. That's not an eye patch you've got <laughs> on, is it? <laughs> oh, no, is that a peg? Double jeopardy. <laughs> Uh, there's a couple of other things that I'll mention here there. They didn't reveal this, but they said there's a reason in the show. Everybody kept being like, keeps being like, Hey, why don't you call the Avengers idiot? And he's like, Nope, 
And they have an explanation for that, which is that their schedules weren't available and they did a lie to that could have bring them in for the series. Um, That's a fun episode where <laughs> yeah, he's like, exactly. hey, Iron Man, are you? Oh, you died. So sorry. Click. Yeah. Um, is Captain America old or young? Oh, it's yeah. a different person now. OK. Just a lot of catching up. The details. Yeah, I don't know him as well. He flew by my helicarrier in one of the movies, but we didn't really work together too much. They should have a Marvel News podcast in the show <laughs> so they could keep up on that stuff. They should. I assume there will be some sort of explanation like, no, the scrolls with powers. We don't want to get mixed up with that. Something. I think I would think it's like he's worried that they've been infiltrated. So exactly. he, he can't trust calling on the Avengers. Um, and maybe that's a lot of what's underlying the series is uh, suspicion and that sort of tension, which is really interesting, I think. Yeah. And the biggest reveal, I think, for the Vanity Fair profile is we got a picture of Martin Freeman wearing mm. a tiny little uh, beanie hat. It was very cute. Right. And that, of course, uh, is a throwback to Avengers um, 47, where the tiny hat is first introduced. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. That issue, I actually have it framed. You can't see it. It's just off camera. Yes. Wow. So it's, you can retire on the money from a <laughs> tiny little hat origin. Yeah, it makes sense to see Everett Ross here. I actually maybe I, I think it was announced before, but I just put it out of my mind that he was in the series. But if you're going to bring in all the spy characters, Maria Hill plays a big role in this series as well. Makes sense. I think it'll be fun. They're talking about the Cold War feel. Uh, how do you feel about this after this Vanity Fair thing? Are you excited for the series? Yeah, I've been excited for this. If this is good, it could be sort of a mature, almost like Andor-type series for Marvel, which is awesome. I loved Andor. Um, I don't know if it's going to be as good as Andor because mm -hmm. uh, you don't have someone really helming it like uh, Tony Gilroy. But um, what's also interesting about this to me is we've never seen this world, this sort of scroll. We've only touched on it in different Marvel projects. But there's clearly been all this stuff boiling underneath. So we're going to be learning a bit of history. At the same time, they're telling the current story. Yeah. Uh, now, speaking of history, we don't know when in history exactly this series is going to debut. However, very briefly, there was a page that went up on Disney Plus that seemed to reveal the release date of Secret Invasion. That's June 21st. There's going to be six episodes. I will say, as we're taping this, there is a new trailer that is coming out on Sunday night as part of some sort of sports game. Honestly, don't know which mm. one. I didn't write it down. Um, so presumably, <laughs> they'll reveal the date there. I, I was kind of surprised they didn't mention anything about it in the Vanity Fair article. That felt like a prime time to be like, yeah, releasing this summer, but no mention of dates whatsoever. So uh, presumably we'll get confirmation of that soon. All of that, I will say, in advance of knowing the actual info, makes sense to me. June 21st sounds like <laughs> a good date. I think when we talked about this on another uh, show, I think it was like June 21st. That is a day. It's a day. It's perfect. <laughs> it's going to be perfect. Yeah. So there you go. That's the secret invasion stuff. Let's move on to one of the big it's not even an outside issue, but bigger issues that aren't specifically talking about the stories of the movie. Ike Perlmuter, the guy who has been in charge of Marvel Entertainment for years at this point, was, according to the New York Times headline, fired by Disney. Now, later, get out of there, dude. Now, this is something you might have seen if you're not like deep into Marvel stuff. You might have thought, who's that? Why do I care? What's going on? This is one of these things that, on the other hand, people who are steeped in Marvel business stuff lost their minds at. I mean, I know yeah. I certainly lost their mind, my mind. And this has heavily affected 
the development of the MCU and the development of Marvel Studios. Ike Perlmutter, and this is the short version of the history, Ike Perlmutter is a guy who came in and essentially saved Marvel back in the day, gearing it towards being an action figure company uh, through Toy Biz, I believe was the name of the company. Genius. Yes. Well, it, it, Marvel was about to tank. Like, it was going down. He's also famously insanely stingy to the point of, and this is not a joke, picking paper clips out of the garbage because people were using it, saying, hey, why don't we serve people potato chips at movie premieres instead of popcorn because it's cheaper. He, and I know this one for a fact, at the Marvel Comics offices, maybe this has changed in the intervening years, but for a long time there was one bathroom of each gender for hundreds of people to use. So... And where he was like, nah, we don't, we don't need to spend the space on that. Let's do this. So a lot of stuff like that. And then there's even worse things. Like he was the one who blocked for years a Black Panther movie, a Captain Marvel movie, under his assumption that women and African-Americans don't sell movies. Like nobody's going to see those movies. Let's not do that. They don't sell action figures. That's where our main business is. Forget about it. He also, and this is a little more rumory, but is rumored to have said, yeah, sure. Replace Terrence Howard with Don Cheadle. Don Cheadle is cheaper and people won't be able to tell the difference. Yeah, he's – and that's not even getting into the poli- politics of his totally. uh, his public politics. He seems like a psychopath, <laughs> yeah. like someone who – like a cigar holding like, you know what I think? No bathrooms on the fifth floor. They can go at home. Like that's the kind <laughs> of attitude he has. It's just like what? And the fact – so he was also – he got in a big fight recently in like last year or so. He tried to do like a sort of board member shuffle to try to get more power in Disney and they were like, nope. And then you know, five months later, they're like, later, we don't like people like who are trying to well, take he over. Also, he tried to get Kevin Feige fired and that was yeah. one of the big things that essentially reduced his role in the Disney company. And I say reduced, even though what they did was they shifted him over so that he was in charge of Marvel Entertainment while Kevin Feige was Marvel Studios. Marvel Entertainment, by the way, is the video games, the consumer products, the live experiences, and most importantly, the comics. He was in charge of all that. Dan Buckley, who was the publisher of uh, Marvel Comics, who's that's the head of Marvel Comics, essentially, he reported to both Kevin Feige and... Ike Perlmuter, what's going to happen now is now that Ike is fired, he's just reported to Kevin Feige. A lot of alarm bells went off in the comic book community because the New York Times article said, oh, Marvel Entertainment was deemed redundant and is being folded under Marvel Studios and Kevin Feige. Entirely possible. Layoffs happen all the time. Reductions happen all the time. My suspicion, though, Bob Iger has reportedly hated Ike Perlmuter for very good reason for years. Yeah. And found a way, now that they are laying off 7,000 people in the Disney company, to say, oh, Marvel Entertainment is redundant. Sorry. We got to downsize that division. So got rid of Ike Palmuter and all the people that report directly and are very loyal to him. So this, to me, is like a corporate finagling of getting rid of those bad elements and keeping what they deem the good elements. And ultimately... It is repetitive, and it doesn't necessarily change yeah. anything. So for the short term, at least, it's okay. Your comics are safe. Your video games are safe. Everything's safe. And I got to think this was, like you're saying, a corporate choice and not about some sort of like now we need to have a different control over the comics or we're going to take more, reduce that or whatever. It feels like the cost cutting they were doing was getting Ike and his briefcase full of action figures to hit the road. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
And I'll just mention, if you want to read really good reporting about this, head over to Comics Beat. Heidi McDonald's has been in the industry for years and has followed the Ike yeah. Perlmutter story for years in particular. She always writes really, really good stuff about this. And uh, yeah, so check that stuff out. Uh, I think ultimately it doesn't mean anything for the MCU right now, other than not having an insane, super rich person trying to block every woman and minority from being on screen. So good stuff. And one other thing about that, like, I don't think the comics are being threatened because they are the creative sort of uh, source for a lot of the MCU. And I think Kevin Feige and everyone up at the top knows that. And I don't think they want to break that, even though they have a great huge backlog, they could dip into comic stories from uh, decades and be fine. I still think they like the comics to be what they are, earning some money, not a ton, but also being the creative juice that keeps the, the MCU going. Well, let's move on to a casting story. Liv Tyler is back as Betty Cousin Ross Liv. in Captain America 4. Um, this is interesting for a couple of reasons. First of all, she's been off screen and only referred to since the Incredible Hulk movie, which is very quickly getting reintegrated into the MCU at a wild rate. But in particular with this movie, we now have Betty Ross. We have Harrison Ford as Thunderbolt Ross, now the president of the United States. We have the leader is the villain. There's rumors about Thunderbolt Ross turning into Red Hulk at some point in the movie. We have heard that maybe She-Hulk will be in the movie. Maybe Scar, who showed up in She-Hulk, will show up at some point. Hey, maybe even Hulk will show up. I don't know. But I guess my question is, is this once again like Thor Ragnarok, a secret Hulk movie and not a Captain America movie at all? Well, it is really weird. If you said all those things but didn't tell me the title of the movie, I'd be like, well, this is clearly – they're taking another swing at Hulk because there's no element that you've just listed that says Captain America. <laughs> so, of course, it feels like a Hulk movie. But why – they're like the Hulk movies were sort of not good twice. So they're like, we can never make a Hulk movie. We can make a bunch of movies that are Hulk movies as long as we don't title them Hulk. Well, it's weird. Well, but so the other part that plays into it, which has never been clear and they've never been purposely, I think, for legal reasons, totally public about is and this, I believe, is a direct result of Ike Perlmutter. The Hulk rights were over at Universal for a very long time. Um, I believe in some sense they still are because of Universal Studios and Islands of Adventure having a Hulk ride there, which yeah. locks up who can and can't do a Hulk movie. So I don't know, maybe they're still not allowed to do a Hulk movie, you know? And so they keep sneaking it in. A Thor movie is also a world war Hulk movie or a planet Hulk movie. And this movie, Captain America four is our world war Hulk movie potentially. So it's weird. And it's a weird thing, particularly if that's the way they're going with, okay, Sam Wilson, he's Captain America. Now here he goes. Here's a bunch of Hulks. It's a little bit of a yeah. swerve. Well, and on top of that, you've got the sort of the different Hulk movies with a different actor playing the Hulk. And now we're sort of mixing the peas and carrots of that, which is also weird. Everyone's like, well, it's part of the same. The most recent Hulk movie is part of the MCU. And I'm like, I know, but it still feels like <laughs> weird. It still yeah. feels weird. Yeah, well, it's we talked about it here on the podcast. It's totally different from the MCU. They've had it really figured everything out. It feels like pre-MCU movie. But they're taking some of the good elements from it. I think that's exciting. It's Tim Roth, right, as the leader. He's yeah. great. He's a great actor. I'm excited to yeah. see him. Uh, Liv Tyler, great. Harrison Ford, we like him. So it'll be good. We'll see. Let's it's move weird to, to have the Hulk's <laughs> famous love interest and not a Hulk there. 
Right. Why are you doing what's what's that? I don't know. I don't know, man. Uh, Let's talk about the Victoria Alonso saga as it has continued quite a bit since the last time we talked about it. Now, Victoria Alonso was the VP of production and VFX, I believe, at Marvel. Yeah. She was also reportedly fired by Marvel. And there's been so much back and forth since the last time we talked about it. Specifically, it came out that she was, as we were hinting out in the last podcast, she was reportedly fired for doing a documentary called Argentina 1985 that went over to Amazon studios we all saw it for for sure what we all saw it and i think it has some strong connections to secret invasion yeah i think so uh you you caught all the easter eggs i don't need to mention them oh you don't need to say me about easter eggs but this is something that's very important to her as uh gay latino in terms of this documentary this is something she's very passionate about according to her she was given permission to do this disney just said fine but you can't promote it And then she took her co-producer or executive producer on the carpet for Ant-Man 3 and was talking about Argentina 1985. And they said that was a breach of contract and that's why they fired her. She insists and her lawyers insist that was not a breach of contract. There were other things that were going on there, including she it came out that she clashed with Disney about gay censorship in Ant-Man 3 in Kuwait, specifically Blake, did you miss it? But there's a pride flag as Scott Lang is walking along the street at the beginning and I believe the end of Ant-Man 3. And they wanted to blur it out for Kuwait. I believe ultimately they did, but she was very upset about that. So there's been a lot of conflicting parts. I think my main takeaway here is we're never going to know the full story about this. I think the ultimate story is more complicated than we think. It's not as simple as VFX bad she god or ultimately Mm. like – Marvel, Disney targeting her for her background. I think it's probably a lot of different things in a lot of different ways. Yeah. Uh, but I would also, I also think that it's mostly that the VFX were not, <laughs> were not going well. Yeah. Because like the, those issues, I mean, she's been there from the beginning. I feel those are issues where you, you push, you have a lot of power in this at Marvel. You push a little bit. You're like, I'm going to do a little bit of press for this movie. It doesn't actually conflict with, it's not like she's doing press for a DC movie. Like it's just something, her own side project. I don't think this is going to be a problem, but that coupled with all of the bad vibes coming out of the VFX industry. I mean, Marvel there's, I've been listening to a lot of information about the VFX side where Marvel, even though they're like, the biggest, like they need the most VFX over the last decade. They pay less than most other studios. She like reviewed every single VFX shot for every Marvel project. She would watch them herself. That's insane. That's so much. That's so time consuming. And like give notes and everything. And so, and, and then the product was dipping and then the movie doesn't do well. She's out because the VFX were targeted as a huge problem for specifically Quantumania. So I think that's the direct line. And they found a couple other like complaints they could throw on here, but they don't want to highlight how the VFX is a problem in their press release of why mm-hmm. we're firing this person. I think that makes a lot of sense to me. And like we were talking about last week, she's the fall guy for this. It doesn't actually solve the problem of VFX, but Publicly, it looks yeah. like we got rid of the problem. Mission accomplished. Whoop, whoop. It's not. It's not like she's there in her laptop trying to finish Ant Man. She's like, <laughs> I don't know, just put it out. It's fine. <laughs> Moving on to another casting thing, Demetrius Gross has reportedly joined Wonder Man as Eric Williams, aka Simon Williams' brother, Wonder Man's yeah. brother, aka the Grim Reaper. This is very exciting. He's a great actor. I know nobody watched nobody watches Fear the Walking Dead, but he had a 
awesome villain turn on there where he's mm. carrying almost literally like the Grim Reaper Scythe. So I wonder if they saw that and were like, yeah, sure, just have him do it. Sounds good. Yeah, make him the character. <laughs> Great audi- way to audition. Like, can I have a scythe and walk around in this show? I'm trying to get my next job. Um, I think this is cool. It's also interesting, like... Grim Reaper plays a large role in uh, Tom King's vision arc um, mm. that we've been talking about as rumored and the, the vision quest um, series that will come out after this. Correct. Yeah. So if you're setting up Grim Reaper here, that's another notch getting us closer to that series, the vision series being about the Tom King vision series. Yes, yeah, I can see that uh, whatever it is and whatever's going to happen with this series, there's a lot of rumors bouncing around to who is and is not cast. I've seen maybe Ed Harris has a role in it, potentially as well, but it's a good cast and I think it's a good, fun concept to do like this Hollywood skewering through the lens of the MCU. Very excited about that. I love the Wonder Man character. There's been a bunch of good runs back. There hasn't been many lately, but there were used to be some good runs that I loved of of Wonder Man in the comics, so like, I'm excited for this show. Maybe comedy-driven. Maybe comedy-driven. Let's let's go to the opposite end of the spectrum and talk about the big story that I think everybody has been talking about the past week. And I do want to put a trigger warning up top that we're probably going to be talking about abuse here. So if you want to tune away for the next five minutes or so, please do. But what will happen with Jonathan Majors? I'll say I have been very hesitant to talk about this because I think – Just to give anybody the rundown of the situation, Jonathan Majors was arrested about a week ago at this point for reportedly abusing his girlfriend. They got in a fight in the back of a taxi. He grabbed her phone. He may may or may not have choked her. We don't know what happened. Um, Since then, he has been released. She has gotten out of the hospital. And the big update on this case, and this is the thing that I really did want to give a trigger warning about, is his lawyers released a series of texts from her to him, or at least they say they are, um, where she was apologizing for everything and saying, oh, I didn't want you to get arrested. That's not what I want. I told them that specifically. And this is the phrase that, like, frankly made me sick to my stomach was, in her text, it says, I told them it was my fault for trying to grab your phone. I only just got out of the hospital, which yeah. is classic domestic abuse language. It is yeah. uh, gaslighting language. It is all of these other things. I don't know what his lawyers thought they were going to get out of it, but it's it did not look good after that, frankly. And we don't have real reporting about this, but there are rumors that Marvel at least has had a conversation about Jonathan Majors, but we don't know what happened off that. So the thing that I've been hesitant about is like, what does this mean for Marvel movies? Because a woman got hurt and that is the main part of the story. But we do have this Marvel podcast and certainly that is a question in people's minds. I mean, obviously, more has to be investigated here to find out what's happening. The story is awful and everything that's been talked about is awful. So it's bad for for them as people. It's bad for their lives and it's bad for their jobs, which Jonathan Major's job, like you're saying, crosses over with what we're talking about. And I think they got to be very stressed and, and nervous and not about um, his mental and her went mental well-being, the money they've invested and the stories mm-hmm. they've invested in this character that he plays because literally everything is Kang going forward from here. To have this come out, when I first read this story, I was like, I can't, this is like the worst possible situation for them to be in. It's a bad story. It's a bad, it's the character they're pinning so much on and they don't, there's going to be no way forward besides to 
ignore it until it's too much of a problem, and then it's a big problem, which is what I think they'll do. You think they'll ignore it until it becomes a bigger problem? I, I think so. Like, I don't know. What are they going to – if they come out – if they come out and say they're they're keeping him and the story gets worse, that's very bad. If they don't – if they come out and get rid of him and then they have to redo everything. Like it's it's all just – there's no good move for anyone. This is just a bad situation and I wish – I hope they can – I hope it doesn't get worse for him personally and her personally and they need to – just start there and then deal with the ramifications after. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, I think, frankly, what probably will happen is the classic Hollywood thing of Jonathan Majors will say, hey, I have rage issues. I'm getting help. I'm really working on myself. I've been talking to a therapist, et cetera, et cetera. Something like very vague in terms of what he's actually doing. And Marvel and Disney will probably hope that it sort of smooths over versus saying, you're out, get out of here immediately. And just to talk about it from like a logistical level, people have said, come on, you know, like we were talking about earlier, they recast Terrence Howard, uh, who also has a serious history of abuse that he has owned up to, uh, not to his credit necessarily, but he has admitted to, uh, and was replaced by Don Cheadle. And people have said, oh, you know, it's it's the same thing. They replace people all the time. They replace them. They replace the Hulks, et cetera. This is not quite the same thing because there were 1,000 Jonathan Majors at the end of Ant-Man 3. Like there was one lizard Jonathan Majors, but the rest of them were like straight up him. So just in terms of the bulk of it, I have to imagine it is not as simple as snapping their fingers and being like, great, we got another actor in here. Um, so they're going to yeah. work as hard as possible to make it work. And frankly, like you're saying, it may make the situation worse. Yeah. Or maybe they'll lean into this lizard majors they can get. Mm, there as long as nothing they, bad comes out about him. They have to uh, have to be re- uh, regretting the decision to not go CGI character like Thanos <laughs> this time around at this point. Yeah. They're like, oh, my God, what do we do? But awful story. Terrible story. I guess we'll keep following it. Let's go to another (laughs) quick hit news items before we start to wrap up here. Matthew McFadden is joining Deadpool 3 in what is reported to be a major role, but an unknown role. You're a succession head. What do you think about this one, Justin? I mean, this guy's having a moment. I think he's emerged as the character on succession that actually you can feel for, especially with the revelations of last season into this season. I love him as an actor. I'm curious. Um, where he's going to be in succession. He's like sort of the side uh, goofy guy who is just trying to maneuver to get power, Uh, which is a, but he's also a leading man in other movies he plays. So like he could be anything, but my, the first thing that came to mind when I saw this was it's like the Rob Delaney role from Deadpool two. Yeah. We'll see what happens. He's a great actor. It'll be fun to see. There's a lot of questions about Deadpool three. And a lot of rumors out there, but we won't touch those for the moment. Here's one that I thought was very interesting, actually, because I'm a fan of this writer. Fantastic Four movie got a new writer in Josh Friedman. Now, the previous writers were Jeff Kaplan and Ian Springer. By the way, Matt Shackman, who directed on WandaVision, is still on board as director of Fantastic Four. But they were very new comedy guys. Like, they have Mm -hmm. a bunch of things in the works, but they've never had a movie come out that's not 
atypical in Hollywood, by the way. That doesn't mean that they have no experience. They've been writing for years, but they were definitely comedy guys. Josh Friedman, on the other hand, has done a ton of stuff. Uh, Most notably, he did a bunch of changes on Avatar 2 recently. He also was one of the developers before leaving the Snowpiercer TV show. He is one of the co-creators of Foundation on Apple TV+. He did War of the Worlds Mm. for Steven Spielberg. And most notably, one of my favorite underrated shows, he was the creator of Terminator, the Sarah Connor Chronicles. Yeah, yeah. Which was great. So my impression off of this is they had a comedy take on Fantastic Four. They thought, no, wait, this needs to be a little more world-building hard sci-fi. Well, and someone who is like a, a script fixer and like a really a, has a command of the story. It feels like because they can take all the comedy stuff and be like, we like all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Now it's your turn. You do a pass and then we can put in all the comedy stuff that we like. So it's not abnormal. I wouldn't say this is like, oh, no, there's huge problems there. It's not abnormal to bring in a writer to do stuff like this. It, uh, it can be additive and not necessarily like throwing something away that has come before. Um, but it, I think it also is a signal that Marvel's like, okay, we need to get our stories in line because mm-hmm. we can't just keep churning out these project projects and have the money roll in because it stopped working recently. Yeah. And particularly for Fantastic Four, which has had several very maligned takes, I think it's important for them to figure out how to get this one right. I would rather they delay everything and do a good Fantastic Four movie than just, like you say, churn it out. As, as long as the tone sh- – like I think the previous Fantastic Four movies are like so self-serious and that's not the MCU tone, mm-hmm. or at least it wasn't. I think we're getting there a little bit. But if they can bring a Fantastic Four movie with the original comic vibe uh, or the – MCU, early MCU tone, I think that'll be, that's where they want to well, be. Well, and to that end, and then we'll move on to our next news item, which is semi-related, but I think Josh Friedman is actually really good at mixing those things. Like, his stuff are big sci-fi ideas that are super complicated and laid out in terms of the mythology and the mechanics of how they work, but he also has very funny moments in it. There's, particularly thinking back to Sarah Connor Chronicles, there's stuff that me and my wife quote to each other all the time that are just these funny, wow. ridiculous movies, uh, moments from that show. Um, Snowpiercer, didn't love the first season of that, but also he left after a little while. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm excited to have him on board. I think it's going to be an interesting mix. This is another writer change that got a lot of negativity online, but I think same as you're saying – these things are like a stew that they make, right? You know, so yeah. it's and not everybody the, loves stew. Oh my god, everybody's favorite dish. Everybody's eating stew all the time. They're like, yeah, give me one stew. Especially a big summer blockbuster. I love a big bowl of stew when I'm sitting down. It's way better <laughs> than um, popcorn. I want potato chips and stew, just like Ike says. <laughs> Classic movie fare. Thunderbolts has also gotten a new writer in Lee Sung Jin. Now, Lee Sung Jin, and this makes the most sense of all the things that have made sense. So Eric Pearson, who did Black Widow, wrote the first script. There were some rumors that came out that he was heavily favoring the Black Widow characters, which I think you joked about or or somebody I was talking to you joked about like, oh, you mean the most famous actors of the movie? He was leaning towards that. That's interesting. Weird. Yeah. Not not heavily emphasizing Ghost. Straight. <laughs> but uh, he, I, again, I think this is just like re-gearing it. Uh, it is, uh, Lee Sung Jin is the creator and showrunner for Beef, which we talked about last week, is this new show on Netflix. 
Jake Schreier, yeah. who is directing Thunderbolts, was the director, the main director for Beef. And Stephen Yun, who is starring in Thunderbolts, stars in Beef. So this is just like whatever Eric Bruce the did. Beef. Yeah, and they're probably going to use the bones of it. And then they're bringing him in to bring this team back together. And these people who trust each other and like working with each other. Um, I do wonder what the tone brings, because opposite the last thing, Lee Sung Jin is mostly a comedy guy. Beef is a much more serious. It's an A24 production. So yeah. there's comedy throughout it, but it's a very subtle kind of comedy. So I don't know. I'm interested to see what's going to happen here. Yeah. I mean, this movie is is more of a stew than like you're mixing a lot of characters that have been set up in a lot of different places to come together in a movie that like has to be a big story. So this is a little bit of a trickier uh, slalom than the Fantastic Four movie we just talked about. And I, I will say there are a couple of people who've come out since the last time we talked and said, nope, Stephen Yeun is definitely playing the Sentry in this movie, which, again, weird. weird. Yeah, very weird, weird to, to see that. So this definitely is a big, big rumor, and it may be proven to be true by the time we put up this podcast, but reportedly there is a new trailer for Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse coming on Monday, and in it, we are going to see all three live-action Spider-Mans appear. Specifically, the rumor is that Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield will be animated, and Tom Holland is going to be in live-action Obviously, a, a lot of layers there, but I got to say, this kind of makes sense to me. Yeah, I, I think like the first movie was such a like revelation. It was so interesting. So like took a lot of creative risks. You got to do more of that. You got to heighten that, uh, raise the bar. So I feel like going into live action is perfect, a strong uh, choice to make here. And then we're backing into like a live action Miles Morales Spider-Man situation. Well, so that's my big question about where we're going with this. And again, obviously, we'll see if they do this in the trailer. But is it a live action Miles Morales? If so, is it played by Shamik Moore, who does the voice? He is 27 years old, so he's definitely a lot older than Miles in the movie. Do they get a different Live action, Miles? Is it a Roger Rabbit situation where he is animated mm. and Tom Holland is live? I don't know. It could be anything. Could They could go anywhere, yeah. Yeah, and I'll throw out one other theory, and this is just based on Sony's terrible history with the Spider-Man trailers, is I have a suspicion if they do this, if they throw this in the trailer, Sony repeatedly has put the final shot of Spider-Man movies in the trailer. I can 100% see, because we have Across the Spider-Verse and then Beyond the Spider-Verse, which for a long time I have suspected, excuse me, is mm -hmm. going to lead to live action. I can imagine you have the end of the movie. Miles ends up in the live-action MCU with Tom Holland. Tom Holland's like, whoa, another Spider-Man. And that's where we end, and that's what we see in the trailer. And Miles is like, whoa, who's playing me right now? Is it me, <laughs> my voice, or is it me, a different person? I guess we'll find out next time on Spider-Mans. You could do a whole Mandalorian thing where the guy doing the voice never is in the suit. Mm, absolutely. Get the re-speecher app, my favorite recent innovation. All right, folks, that is it for all the Marvel news for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Again, if you got any tips or stories you want us to cover, email us at comicbookclublive at gmail.com. If you want to support this podcast and all the podcasts we do, patreon.com slash comicbookclub. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Facebook and YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about Marvel stuff. Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice. 
to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Comic Book Live on Twitter, Comic Book Club Live on TikTok and Instagram, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, stay marvelous. Let's give everybody raisins at the movie theater. They can just (laughs) eat a bowl of raisins. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.